You're listening to the Morrowology Podcast. It's all about Morrow County, Ohio. I'm really glad I stayed till the end for this one. In the studio today is your hosts, Mike Wilson and Joey Powell. Hey, Joe, how's it do? How's it going? Mike, miss, you ruined the intro. No, you didn't ruin it. Actually, it's kind of nice to shake things up a bit. Yeah. So, what's new there, home dog? Uh, home dog, homie. Okay, homie M. Yo, (laughs) for the Mike, (laughs) miss. Oh, right, Mike. Guess what? Have you ever done Zumba? I have not. Well, if you haven't, like you just said you hadn't, you actually have a chance to do that with Miss Lisa at the Mount Gilead Public Library. It's called Join Us for uh, for Next Week for Zumba Gold with Miss Lisa. No registration required. It's 6 to 7 p.m. at the Annex. Bring your water bottle and get ready to get your groove on. It is going to be Tuesday... The 24th. Gosh, January is almost over, Mike. Yes, it is. Uh, Six to seven, and uh, donations are accepted, or will be accepted at the annex there, and uh, all moves are welcome, it says. So if you know anything about the Zumba, get going. And, uh, Mike, I did uh, load a couple things here that I wanted to share, and I shared out to our Facebook page, and um, wanted to make sure that we called those out because... We also had a text message come in from one of our good friends, Mr. Russ Mayer. Oh, yes. And he wanted to share that we had some things coming up uh, in his neck of the woods with what all he does. And uh, the consignment sale, Mike, we missed the consignment sale. We We didn't miss it. Like, we missed announcing it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So I was a little uh, caught off guard when he said that we hadn't done that yet. The Carhartt Convention is an annual thing. Yeah, so that's going to be the last Saturday in February. It's free to get in. The Junior Fair Board will have a food stand in the large show arena, and the Morrow County Cattlemen Association will have their food stand open as well. It's free to get in, but do you have to pay to get out? You can always come in, but you can't leave. Like the Hotel California. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and then he gave me a couple people to contact to uh, chat about... Uh, some of the fun stuff that some of our friends are doing around the county uh, in regards to the Farm Bureau and 4-H enrollment because the 4-H enrollment will be coming up anytime. Uh, do you have anything? I know you were sharing a couple things last week. I got some more, but uh, why okay. don't we take a break here and you do it. Why don't we talk about the upcoming fish fry at the American Legion Jenkins Vaughn Post 97 in Cardington, which will be Friday, January 20th from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., They'll be serving Alaskan Pollock as well as anybody else shows up. All you can eat, adults. (laughs) All you can eat, adults. All you can eat, adults. All you can eat, adults, $12. Children under 12, $10. So isn't that funny? Like, punctuation really matters there, doesn't it? doesn't matter. (laughs) Or reading the punctuation that's there is even more important. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I love it. Uh, coming up is the pancake breakfast and that's going to be, it won't open. The actual ad won't open here, but it's the pancake breakfast and it's going to be held sometime. Wow. My computer just, uh, oh, no. locked up Mike. Okay. We do have the pancake breakfast coming up. So if you can help me with that, 
What's, um, do you know what site you were looking at on that? I, I actually shared it to our Facebook page. Okay. Um, but anyway, folks, we do have a new movie coming up this week. It's called When You Finish Saving the World. It is a very limited release, Mike, across the United States. And guess what? Capitol Theater right here in Morrow County got it. One of about 250 theaters across the nation. Oh, wow. Yes. Mount Gilead right here making history. It is a movie. It, it says that it's a comedy, but it is rated R. And I can tell you they do talk about suicide in it. Um, but it has uh, all the redhead from, I think it's Silence of the Lambs, Julianne Moore. Okay. She's in it. And um, then there's uh, the kid from, oh, the kid from uh, Stranger Things. Not the not the guy that we're used to seeing in some things now. Uh, but uh, one of the other kids is actually in it. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but uh, just wanted to call out that we do have that movie, and we will be back to our normal schedule at 5, at five and 8 on Friday, and 5 and 8 on Saturday, and 2 and 5 on Sunday. And like I said, this is a special release movie that uh, we're not normally going to get, and the fact that we got it is... Uh, is a pretty cool thing, I thought. So wanted to uh, wanted to share that out to everybody so that they could see that. Also, the uh, Mount Gilead Public Library is hiring a full-time cataloger slash adult services librarian. It starts at $16 an hour. It's a Monday through Thursday position. You can submit your resume in person at the front desk or by email to director at org. And if you want any more details, go to the Mount Gilead Public Library page, and it is on there. Groovy Plants Ranch has several different things going on here in the next couple months, and they wanted to let you all know that their shroom pots are back in stock. And these, these look at this little thing. It's got a face on it and everything, Mike. Oh, that's kind of cute. Yeah. So they've got a lot of... Hold that up to the mic so the people can see it. Yeah. There we go. How's that? And uh, National Lego Day is January the 28th, in case you didn't know, Mike. I love Legos. I miss playing with Legos. My kids are right at the right age where I think I can start getting them Legos. Aren't those those things you put in the toaster? Legos? Egos. Oh, okay. I'm looking at you like, do what? Yeah, no, I got you. Um, so because of that, the Cardington Lincoln Public Library on the 28th from 12 to noon is actually going to have a little bit of a celebration there at the, at the library. And it says activities, they'll have Legos. You're going to make Rice Krispie blocks. You, there'll be a build it challenge, speed building contest. And fun for everyone. Don't forget that the Legos, I believe, say that uh, it's ages, is it 3 to 99? I think 3 to I 99. I believe you're right on that, yes. So I still do fit within that category within a few years. Barely, but yes, you do. Um, let's see here. What else do we have? I know we had a, I had a whole bunch of things written down here. Forgot the paperwork. Uh, Mr. Mike, do you have anything else? Um, I, I am I am looking as we speak here. I'm still trying to find the Presbyterian Church. Um, did you have the date on that uh, breakfast? Yeah, it is February 11th at 7 a.m. That's a Saturday. It's going to be at 7478 County Road 242 in Belleville. And it is from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Um, and it, you can find that at the... Um, Think Local First, Morrow County, Ohio page. There's also going to be a popcorn tasting. 
And that is coming up um, at, it says at the library, it's going to be open to youth of all ages. And that is actually going to be at the Cardington Lincoln Library as well. And I believe National Popcorn Day is January, January 19th, maybe. I think that is the the actual national day for that. I think you're right. right. Yes, yes. And, um, of course, our friends down at Groovy Plants Ranch uh, this Sunday from 10 a.m. to 9 a.m., I'm sorry, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., they're doing their yoga at the ranch. You do need to sign up, so visit their Facebook page for that. Um, I'm telling you what, there is just all kinds of stuff to do. If you can't find something to do, it is, it's sad. Uh, you're not looking hard enough. Also, this is something, Mike, have you seen, I feel like there's a, a large increase for um, folks to get, notary services done and the cardington lincoln library uh public library they actually put out that they are now offering limited free notary services to individuals in the community wow so if you're interested check out their facebook page on that as well i too am a notary if you didn't know that i did not know that now you know what do you note (laughs) mostly car titles but uh there have been other uh unusual things over the years you know, I was a notary at one point. I, I let it go. It was too much work. I didn't use the stamp near as much as I thought I would and, you know, trying to help people out. Um, the popcorn tasting at the library is at Cardington Lincoln Public Library, and it is going to be January 19th, 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. And uh, you can – oh, I guess they're going to do flavors, flavors of popcorn. And uh, you're going to guess the flavors of the popcorn and then vote for your favorite. So that sounds like it would be kind of cool. You know, Mike, I've kind of thought about, and I, after talking to uh, uh, the former owner of the Capitol Theater, Ben, he actually wanted to open up a um, specialty popcorn shop where they would sell, like, caramel popcorn, cheese mm-hmm. popcorn, you know, some specialty. Um, but I think dill pickle popcorn sounds really, really good. I wouldn't know till I tried it. But you do know that, uh, that popcorn does have ranks. You never the pop- heard of Colonel? Oh Colonel my gosh. Corn. All right. Cardington Public Library is also doing story time every Tuesday from 10 30 to eleven thirty AM. It's pre-K story time. My kids used to love that. It starts on the twenty-fourth at ten thirty AM. Low light rock star planter available Jan- uh, January nineteenth. That's this Thursday, folks, at six thirty PM at our friends down there at the Groovy, Plant, Groovy, Groovy Plants Ranch. Man, it's getting hard to say. And, Mike, I really wanted to share this one. This one is not in Morrow County, but I think that some people could really use some help. And this is being put on by the Marion Area Chamber of Commerce. And it's uh, we've had some family members who have had Alzheimer's, dementia, and I thought that uh, some folks could use this. This is Join Us for a Free Program on Dementia and Guardianship. It's hosted by the Marion County Family Court and the Alzheimer's Association Central Ohio Chapter. Alzheimer's is not normal aging. Join us to learn about the impacts of Alzheimer's, uh, the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia, uh, Alzheimer's disease stages and risk factors, current research and treatments available to address some symptoms, hear from the Marion County Family Court Guardianship Program, and gain a better understanding of what guardians do to serve at-risk older guardian or adults, I mean, and why they are needed. It's Tuesday, January 17th, 6.30 p.m. at the Marion Area Chamber of Commerce, the Garden Room, 267 West 
Center Street, Marion, Ohio. To register, please call 800-272-3900. If you're looking for 24-7 help, uh, you can call the helpline at the same number there, 800-272-3900 or alz.org forward slash Central Ohio. Mike kind of felt that was one that we needed to share um, because there are folks who you know could use a little help and uh, and and need that help. Don't forget, we also have the three D um, printing uh, down at, over at the Sullivan Public Library. They're doing that and in and out throughout the season. Check out their webpage, and then don't forget the American Legion this Thursday. They're doing their bingo night, and it looks like they have all kinds of uh, fun games there, and we kind of shared those last week. And then tomorrow, Wednesday at 6 p.m. is Feeding the Birds for Winter. It's an $8 fee through our friends at the Ohio State University Extension Office of Morrow County. Please reserve your spot and prepay. It is 419-947-1070. And the final thing I have, Mike, is read between the wines. And no, I did not pull an Elmer Fudd there. Uh. Uh, actually, it is being put on at Bunker's Mill Winery. And it says, uh, good books, great wine, engaging conversation. Join us at Bunker's Mill Winery in Cardington for a bi-monthly book club. We'll enjoy a glass of wine while discussing your choice of book, what you liked, didn't like, or other interesting tidbits you learned. Or... If you don't feel like sharing, just relax and hear what others have to say. And that is at 102 East Main Street in Cardington. Okay, well, another part of the county would be Johnsville. And the Johnsville Fire Department is going to start up their pancake breakfast again. Yay! This one is set and will happen as scheduled. It will be February 11th from 7 a.m. till 10 a.m. Menu, pancakes, sausage, biscuits, gravy, and scrambled eggs till 10 a.m. or till all gone. Uh, Throughout the rest of the year, they have some things planned. March 4th, looking ahead a bit, they're going to have a fish fish fry. Uh, April 1st, they're going to have an Easter egg hunt. May 12th and 13th, always a hit at our annual Mother's Day flower uh, sale. And July 29th, way ahead, although it'll probably go pretty quickly. Uh, they'll have the, uh, block party, which has always been so popular in the past. But the thing right now is February 11th pancake breakfast at the Johnsville fire department. And as always, if you guys come across any events that you think that we should share, or you're a part of a group that you would like us to share your event, please, 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 please send it to Marology M O R R O W O L O G Y at gmail.com. And Mike, we of course have to talk about the last thing that's coming up sooner than uh, I think we're both expecting, and that's Radium Girls. Oh, yes. Opening February the 10th, 11th, and 12th, and it will be at 7 o'clock on Friday the 10th, Saturday the 11th at 7, and on the 12th, which is Sunday, it'll be at 2.30. Tickets are $12. They're also available at Morrow littletheater.org and there are limited seats because of the stage uh, for the show and uh, I gotta tell you Mike I'm kind of feeling this show it's uh, it's kind of hitting it's hitting some uh, some emotions there from time to time what do you what do you think uh, what's your 
So far, what's your favorite part of the show? My favorite part of the show? Um, when Mr. Drinker shows up? Well, when Drinker shows up, that's kind of a sad time. I kind of like when, uh, when um, oh, I can't think of Mike's his name playing right Mr. Drinker, by the way. <laughs> uh, He's the, a professor from Harvard. Up. Well, yes, I'm typecast. Um, <laughs> when the guy shows up uh, selling um, uh, Radithor, which is supposed to be a miracle cure with uh, radium in it. And I play that part, and I can't think of my name. <laughs> That's terrible. Bailey, isn't it? Yes, Bailey. Yes, Mr. Bailey, yes. Mr. Bailey. Yes. Yeah, Mr. Bailey's selling Radithor, and it is basically water with radium in it. Yes. Uh, a dollar a bottle, and uh, he says he drinks a bottle a day. And we will not be selling that at the theater, by the way. And I don't think, did you mention the uh, venue? Uh, not this time, but we did last week. Okay. It is going to be at 22 West High Street, and that is in Mount Gilead. Of course, that is the Capitol Theater. And uh, this year, Mike, that building, the core building, the what you see from the street is 149 years old. Wow. And the core movie theater turns 102 in September. Oh, yes. Because it started, they started digging in March, uh, according to the records that you guys gave us. Um, on the building there. So uh, we're super excited. If you haven't been in, please stop in. We've been doing some small projects to uh, make things visually pleasing in there, getting rid of some uh, outdated things, trying to update some things. We've added some new lighting around our uh, salts and uh, straws and all that good stuff. And uh, we're constantly changing out candy in the candy case, but keeping your favorites. And that candy case is, we're almost at capacity. I actually had to buy a rack to put on the countertop so that we could... Uh, put some more food in there for the for the uh the patrons there so mike i know you've been in that candy case it has it's got to have something for everyone it's very tempting i don't care who you are and the popcorn <laughs> i mean come on the popcorn it's, oh, yeah. it's good and the variety of salts you have to put on the popcorn is even more exciting yeah we have salt vinegar jalapeno uh there's white cheddar there's cheddar and bacon cheddar and bacon then there's just regular cheddar um, I feel like there's one more that I'm missing. And actually, I'm kind of looking, I might try getting a popcorn or a um, garlic parmesan. Yeah, and they I also have dill pickle. Okay. Um, no, they have several flavors. Um, not sure what we're going to do yet, um, but we're always willing to try. And, Mike, did you hear that they have set a sunset date for Sierra Mist? A sunset date for Sierra Mist. Yeah, that means that that Pepsi is done with Sierra Mist. Oh, really? Yes. Sierra Mist will go the way of Crystal Pepsi. (laughs) Do you remember Crystal Pepsi? I do, I do. Um, And I'm sure there's lots of other drinks that Pepsi has had, but that one just came to mind. Uh, But they they are no longer making Sierra Mist, and when it is gone, it is gone. And uh, Starry is Mm S-T-A-R-R-Y. And I tried one the other day. I tried a Starry Zero, and it tastes just like Sprite. Oh, really? Just like Sprite. Um, And so that's, I guess, what they were going for. We don't have it yet, um, but as soon as we can get it, we will will have it. So that's just some of the fun things going on over at the Capitol Theater. Mike, you guys got anything going on here at the History Center? Well, yeah. Actually, we are closed for the season. However, we're working on doing some um, uh, new displays as well as uh, Lee Siegfried has been in just 
running around like crazy doing some work that's been needing done on the interior of the building. Um, he's just been amazing. And Lee, I don't know if you listen, but thank you. Uh, the, the, our um, committee that works on, on displays and so on has been just going like crazy. Our committee that works on the um, uh, categ- categorizing things and putting them on a on the computer on something called Past Perfect has been working tireless, tirelessly. <laughs> I can't even see the word. Uh-huh. <laughs> has been working over and over and over on that job. So uh, a lot's going on. Um, I, our last meeting, we there's some ideas that come up that I think are really going to uh, catch the public's attention. I'm not going to share those just yet, but uh, the Morrow County uh, Historical Society is alive and well, even though the History Center is closed until sometime in April. So uh, looking forward to the grand opening and getting folks in there once again to see what's going on with Morrow County history. And don't walk into the museum and say, what's new? (laughs) What's new? It's all old. Yeah, that's it. So... uh that's it for you guys, huh? I mean, uh, I know you now. guys have a lot, but... Um, well, I think that uh, we need to flash back. All right. Are I you ready? in. Yep. All right. I need you to put your hand inside of the car and keep them there until the ride comes to a complete stop. Please. Please. Uh, sorry. I just got a text message that kind of made me laugh. Please keep your arms and hands inside of the ride till it comes to a complete stop. This is the Marology Podcast. <laughs> The flashback is brought to you by the Morrow County Historical Society, currently closed for the season, working on new displays for the upcoming season, which will begin sometime in April. All right, Mr. Mike, what and where are we right now? Well, right now we're going to go back and talk about a man that was very influential in the early days of Mount Gilead, for sure. Um, have you ever heard of Levering Hall? I have heard of Levering okay, Hall. That was the um, uh, opera house. It was above what used to be the Union Store, what, where the uh, community center is now, mm-hmm. and the um, ASPCA, the uh, yeah. cat, the the cat, the feline uh, rescue. Yeah, that, yep. that it's above that. Um, but it was named after a man by the name of Alan Levering, and I'm going back to the 1880. Illustrated History of Morrow County, Ohio. And let's see what it has to say about Mr. Levering. The Honorable Alan Levering, Mount Gilead, Ohio. The subject of the sketch and whose portrait appears in this work, well, you won't be able to see that, but was born in North Woodbury, which was at that time Richland County. Since 1849, it's Morrow County. He was born November 12th of 1839. The name of Levering is traced through a long line of ancestors back to France, which country they left about the time of the edict of the uh, Nantes and went into Holland, they being uh, Huguenots. They came to America with William Penn. You've heard that name. I have. And settled at Roxborough and Germantown near Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. His ancestors on his mother's side came from England and settled in Sussex County, uh, New Jersey. His great-grandfather, Robert Bell Sr., moved from New Jersey to Belmont County, Ohio in 1796 
and to Richland County, Ohio, in the year 1816, where he laid out the town of Belleville, now on the B&O Railroad, where most of his mother's family have since lived and died. Robert was uncle of John Bell of Tennessee, a candidate for president in 1860, on the Constitutional Union ticket. Morgan Levering, his father, was born in Bedford County, Pennsylvania in 1808 and came with his father, William Levering, to Knox County, Ohio in 1816. In 1835, our subject's uh, our subject's father started a general merchandise store in company with Mr. John Rule, Sr., under the firm name of Levering and Rule in North Woodbury and continued for 16 years. Our subject was sent to common school in the winter terms and in summer was kept at work in the father's store and on the farm. At the time of his father's death in 1860, occasioned by the effect of a surgical operation in removing a wen from the side of his face. I don't know what a wen is, but wen went. Though but little over 20 years ago, remember this book was written in 1880, he took charge of his father's store in partnership with Dr. Amos Rule, a son of his father's partner, the new firm Levering and Rule, using the old sign of same name, and continued for three years, after which he attended the Union Schools of Belleville, Ohio, for two winters, and in the summer of 1865, he finished a course of study in Eastman's Business College at Poughkeepsie, New York. Poughkeepsie? Yeah, that's it. He then engaged as bookkeeper and teller in the First National Bank of Mount Gilead, Ohio, and that's the building that we are uh, recording in right now. I thought that was... yeah and remained in that capacity nearly one year when he purchased the dry goods business of R.P. Halliday in Mount Gilead, Ohio, and conducted the business for 10 years. In October 1873, he was elected one of the nine directors of the bank he formerly clerked in, and in January following, he was elected vice president of the same bank, which position he still holds. In 1875, he was one of the five who obtained a charter to organize the Mount Gilead Building Association, and was elected secretary and treasurer, and still holds the same offices. In 1876, this association, in connection with the town council, built the Van Horn Block, and in it, a hall having a seating capacity of nearly 1,000 persons, which was named Levering Hall. In August of 1877, on the second ballot, he was chosen by the county Democratic Convention, the nominee for the Office of Representative and in October, elected by 90 majority, he being the first Democrat elected from his county in 22 years. By an examination of his record there, we find he was an active member of two important standing committees, that of finance and school and school lands. He was also very successful in the business assigned to his care, having in a total of 19 bills and five resolutions, but two bills lost and two withdrawn. He says the bill that gave him most uh, gave him most labor and anxiety was the one to build the Mount Gilead Short uh, Short Line Railroad, which road afterwards complimented him by favoring him with throwing the first dirt and driving the last spike on the same. Um, there's more, but I think we'll continue next week with uh, Mr. Levering. 
All right. Well, I have just uh, just a couple things to show here or uh, share. On 1893, Americans overthrow the Hawaiian monarchy. I did not even know that Hawaii had a monarch at the time, but uh, they established a new government with uh, with it says. Uh, sugar planters under Sanford Bollard Dole overthrew Queen, and I cannot even attempt to pronounce it, so I won't, the Hawaiian monarch, which established a new provincial government with Dole as president. Um, I'm guessing that's the Dole Foods, uh, the Dole f- Fruit tycoon there. Um, let's see here. President Nixon threatens the Russian president, or... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, South Vietnamese president. Read that wrong. Uh, the PJA... F- Tour is formed in 1916 on this day in history. And uh, 1961, as President Dwight D. Eisenhower was getting ready to end his presidential term, he began to warn the nation in his address about the increasing power of the military-industrial complex. Uh, Let's see here. Earthquakes in 1994 on this date rocked Los Angeles, killing 54 people and causing billions of dollars in damage. The Northridge quake, named after the San Fernando Valley community near the epicenter, was one of the most damaging in history. In 1865 on this date, heavy rains trapped the Union Army, and uh, the Union General William T. Sherman's army is uh, reined in at Savannah, Georgia, as it waits to begin the marching begins marching into the Carolinas in the fall of 1864. And uh, let's see, in 1953, the Corvette is unveiled by GM, and uh, looks like it says here the prototype was unveiled at the auto show in the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York City. That's when the Corvette came out in 1953, Mike. 1953. Wow, it's older than me. Uh, barely, but yeah. Uh, let's see. Winston Churchill hears speech on the tragedy of war on this date in 1916, uh, all dating back around Belgium. And uh, that, Mike, is all that I wanted to share real quick here as uh, we are we have a guest who is anxious to share with us all about what he has to, to share. So uh, hang on to your car seat, Mike. Put in your pacifier. Grab your goldfish and let's head back. All right, Mike. So in the studio with us today is Mr. Michael Vance from the Morrow County chapter of the American Red Cross. And his, as he explains here, his range is not just Morrow County. So um, without further ado, Michael Vance with the Morrow County American Red Cross. Good to see you. Mike, I, I feel like a, I feel like I should be paying you rent on occasion. I'm here so often, but I <laughs> well, certainly appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. We'll, so we'll much. work out those terms later. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, Red Cross, I understand you've recently uh, taken on more responsibility with the Red Cross. Um, yeah, personally, I, I've I've added another chapter. Um, just wanted to kind of take a few minutes, and I appreciate the opportunity because I want to take take some time to kind of talk about some of our current volunteer needs. And, and the neat thing is it's, I'm, we're going to be focusing on the volunteer needs pretty much everywhere. Uh, as we, I think, of, as we had talked in the past, you know, when COVID hit, it really had an, an impact, obviously, on every walk of oh, life sure. for everyone. 
But uh, certainly with our volunteers, because we had such a, you know, we have such a large number of retired volunteers that had health conditions that it actually put us in a situation where we really actually need to have a massive influx of new volunteers in some very specific areas. So I wanted to spend a little bit of time on that. And if we have time, Mike, I'd also like to talk about, so if you become a Red Cross volunteer, what can you expect? What happens? I mean, how does the process work? Because I think a lot of people might be interested in knowing that. I think that'd be uh, very well worth our time to discuss that today. So, uh, Michael, go right ahead. I I have the free mic. I appreciate you that. do. You do. Right. I'm, I'm going to go down to McDonald's and, and all right. Uh, give me an <laughs> give me a slushie or something. Oh, that's Burger King. And anyway, so look, first off, I'd like to lead off with with some of our more critical volunteer needs, and this is certainly throughout the entire state of Ohio. Uh, number one on our wish list is what we call the, our DAT teams, and basically what these are, it's our disaster action team members. These are the folks that when the fire department responds to a fire or really any kind of a disaster, um, you know, they will call the American Red Cross if the family is in need, has emergency needs. For example, needs emergency housing, if they lost, you know, medications, if they need clothing, food, any of the things that you would consider an emergency need. And these are the folks that actually will take the American Red Cross training classes to actually become a disaster action team member. And the neat thing with the program is that we basically have a Red Cross Academy that provides training modules for all of our volunteers in any particular area that they want, but they can take it on demand and online. You know, I think many times we've said in the past, it's, it's kind of cool to be living in the future. It really is in this aspect because you can literally train for any positions completely at a time that is convenient for you. So, I mean... You know, in in the past, we used to have to try to schedule classes, bring people in in the evening. Yeah, there a Tuesday night at yeah. seven p.m. and now everybody schedule matches. Yes, yeah. So you were always you're, you know you were always losing a few folks because you just couldn't find a time that worked for everyone. So the exciting thing is you can train at home, you can do it at your convenience, and you know just knowing that uh, you know in every county we are actually right in the middle of our busy season as far as home fires. Oh yes. Um, wintertime is always when we become more active. And then, for example, just to give you a few examples, you know, here in Morrow County, typical year, we probably have something in the neighborhood of 30 to 35 incidents a year that we would respond to. Uh, we hope to have a team of at least, you know, six to eight people so that in any given year, you might be going out once or twice a month. So it's not something that would be a commitment necessarily that you would expect to be putting in a ton of time or a ton of hours. And obviously, the more volunteers we have, the more better able we are to deal with the larger potential disasters that we could have as well. So, you know, like the winter storms where you're opening shelters, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, we're, we're going on with the volunteers, but I had a question that just came into my, my, my mind. Sure. Does the Red Cross still provide, like, CPR training and, and first aid and things if a group – wants to call you can they still get that kind of training through you um mike yeah absolutely groups a and or individuals even uh and again you know and and i guess you're going to give me a nice segue here so i'm just going to kind of jump right into it if okay. anyone is interested in in doing the first aid cpr training classes it's really neat now because basically if you go into if you go to our website which is www.redcross.org uh, we'll have a number of banners there. They'll have the blood banner. They'll have the uh, 
you know, make a donation banner. One of the banners is taking health and safety classes. And basically, if you enter your zip code in, it will give you a listing of available classes that you can register for. And then you can kind of just pick the dates and times when you can register. A lot of the classes now are done online. Mm-hmm. And then they basically just schedule a time to come in and do the skill test. So basically, you take the, you know, you do, you do the course part online. And then you basically just schedule a real short period of time. Then we can come in and then you can be tested out as far as your skills. So, you know, compressions, rescue breathing, and we have a number of different training opportunities there, but it really is kind of neat. And I think it's a lot more convenient for folks where they don't necessarily have to come in and sit through, you know, four or six hours of classroom. You can do it on your own, you know, do the, do the skill test out. And it just, I think it just makes it a lot more convenient. Certainly. Certainly. Okay, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. You were going no, talking about the uh, volunteers, but yeah. when something comes on my mind, sometimes you just have to blur it out. <laughs> uh, understand, Mike, and, so, I, and I appreciate it. And if you have a question about it, there's a good chance that a lot of people would have the same question, so I appreciate that. So uh, let's get back to the volunteers. Uh, um, so sure we, were, we, so we were talking disaster services. One thing that, I, that we really haven't mentioned too much, and uh, you know, it's kind of exciting because this is actually something that anybody – you know, that, that would have an interest in, in the skill set could do 100% from home. Uh, we've, been, uh, we've been asked by our local military services folks to recruit new caseworkers. And basically, you know, the military casework projects are, are a couple of different things. There's the emergency communications so that if you've got a serviceman or woman stationed obviously away from home and they have a family emergency, you know, maybe maybe dad has a heart attack or a family member passes away, the family wants to request emergency leave, well, we can train caseworkers to get that information, how we go about verifying that information, and then how we send that information to the commanding officer of that particular serviceman or woman. Um, You can be trained 100% at home, and basically you can, you know, pick your own shifts, and you can actually perform that you can actually perform emergency communications for the military and never leave your home. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is kind of cool. And it's, and it's something that we haven't, uh, we really haven't promoted a lot, but uh, we've gotten to the point now with the technology and everything where we can actually have, you know, virtual people. And let's be honest, casework, it really doesn't matter where you are. Uh, basically, you know, we would bring up the screen. You would have like a Teams meeting with the family or with the person that you're talking to. Uh, you know, you, you, you get the information, you document it, you do a little bit of follow-up, and then you contact, again, sending the message. A lot of people, I don't think, realize that the American Red Cross is actually the, uh, we are the sole way for servicemen and women to request leave. Any leave request for anyone in the United States military has to, go, has to be sent and has to be verified by the American Red Cross. And the cool thing is, you know, a huge number of our volunteers take care of that workload for us. So it's, it's kind of, if, if, if military services is near and dear to folks' heart, if you have a working computer at home, uh, obviously internet, if you have, if you're, if you have good interview or if you're, if you're just good in, uh, people skills, empathy. Yeah. Empathy, people skills. If you have good people skills, um, that is certainly something that we could train you to be. The other neat thing is that once you take the training, you would actually get to mentor with an experienced caseworker. So basically, the first couple of calls, you would basically just sit in on and observe. Okay. And then gradually, we would get to the point where you would actually start doing some of the casework yourself. So it's not like, 
you get the training and then we just throw you in the deep end. It mm-hmm. really is much more of a gradual transition. And as the volunteers, they basically let us know when they think they're ready. But uh, critical need, we would love here in, here in Ohio, we would love to add about 10 or 15 new people. Um, as you can imagine, it's kind of a, it's kind of a service that we need to be, it's, it's very much like disaster because you always have to have somebody available to take those calls. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so we need a few night owls. We need a few folks that are available during the day, weekends. So whatever your schedule would permit, I guarantee it would be appreciated. So some folks are thinking that we're thinking that they'd have to, you know, get up, go out and physically uh, help people get bandaged or whatever. But there are, you know, if folks can't get out, they can do this from their home. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Again, it's just... You know, I mean, some things we do require boots on the ground, let's be honest. Mm-hmm, I mean, sure. you know, when you're doing disaster response, you need to be there. You need to be in, in person. Uh, but we have so many new things now that we can do virtually. Uh, another another position of need, we, we'll, we'll kind of slide, slide back and forth between the services. We actually have what we call a disaster duty officer. And basically what that position is, we have... It's basically the 911 dispatch system for the uh, Central and Southern Ohio mm-hmm. Emergency Services. And what it does is if we get, you know, if we get a phone call, it basically will go straight to our dispatch person. Again, that person can be working from home. I mean, think about this. They can be working from home. They can actually be watching, you know, they can be reading a book. They can be watching a movie. But when something happens, you know, they become the 911 dispatch officer oh, basically okay. for the American Red Cross disaster team. So they will reach out. They will uh, contact the local volunteers. They, they need to have at least two people respond to any emergency. Uh, we will always try to get the closest people first. And their job is to deploy the response team and then to support the response team. You know, let's say we have a response team goes out to an apartment uh, one unit is consumed when we're initially called, but then, you know, as, as things progress, maybe three or four units have become unlivable or, or that they've had to take people out of. So if they need additional assistance, the duty officer then will start calling, getting more of the team engaged. It's kind of a neat thing. And, and you know, and one of the things when we talk, you know, because occasionally we have college students and, and young people that do these things. One of the really neat things about that is if you're looking at a career, maybe in emergency services or just or just want to do an experience, think about how many counties employ 911 workers. Oh, yeah, sure. The opportunity to kind of be trained in a very similar program through the American Red Cross as a volunteer is, in in some cases, can actually lead to an employment opportunity. So So volunteers are needed. There are, I mean, no matter what your physical state is, there's something you can do for the American Red Cross or with the American Red Cross. Yeah, and I guess my ask is if if it's something that you've been thinking about saying, "Hey, I want to start someday." We need that someday soon because we really right now really need people. We need disaster team members, we need folks to help with military casework, and even one of the more simple things that we, you know we need, we need folks that would be willing to help us working at the front desk at local blood drives. Just being, you know, just being the greeter and the person that just up, kind of updates the schedule, answers basic questions at blood drives. Uh, we don't always have a volunteer at a blood drive, but that, you know, the importance is that if we don't, we have to pull a staff member. One of the collection team members has mm-hmm. to be pulled up front. They have to be doing the registration and stuff, and obviously it affects our ability to collect the most blood that we can at any given time. So the one thing I can promise people interested in is, 
anything that we ask you to do, I promise you, it's going to be very important. Almost certainly. Um, and you will be trained for it for sure. Uh, the training and if you, and, 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 you know, and maybe some people don't have a working computer or don't have reliable internet at home. You can always go to your, to your nearby Red Cross office. We'll be glad to set you up with a station, answer any questions you have, get you started on your training. Um, yeah, it's just something I think a lot of people sometimes hesitate, but it really is very, very volunteer-friendly, and the support is always going to be there for our volunteers. Yeah, you just don't throw them in, like you said, in the deep end. No. I we, mean, you, you get them prepared and make yeah. sure they're prepared before they actually have to go into yeah. action. Absolutely. So that's awesome. And Where were we going to go from here? Let's see. <laughs> I had something in mind, and it it went away. Um, let, let's say that there's a disaster. Uh, you know, a lot of our people are in Morrow County. Let's say there's a disaster in Morrow County, and I hope one doesn't happen in the near future. How does the Red Cross find out about it, and what is their response when they get that information? Um, a lot of times it depends on the disaster. I'll give you just a typical. A typical the most common thing you're always going to get in disaster services, single-family fire. Um. You know, one of the things that, that I think may surprise a lot of people is we don't necessarily, dis, you know, when they send the fire department, we don't go. Uh, we wait until we're requested. Uh, you know, one thing we don't want to be is we do not want to be in the way. Certainly. Of the professional rescuers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they need to go in. They need to make the, uh, you know, the situation secure. They will, you know, when they get the fire under control, they will pull the family aside. They'll, they, you know, will say, hey, do you have insurance? Do you need, you know, do you need assistance of any sort? If there's, if there is any kind of a need whatsoever, then they will call us. And then, you know, and then we'll assume, assemble our team. Very often, you know, we'll be on the scene, you know, long before the fire department leaves, but we always wait to be called. So we're, not, I guess the point being, we're not going to send people out on false alarms. If, if, we're, if we're deploying somebody, if we're calling someone to respond, it's because a family needs that assistance and they need it now, and there's no question about it. Okay. Uh, let's say that there is a single uh, family fire. Uh, what services do you provide for that family or group? Um, basically, what, you know, what we define as emergency needs, Mike, uh, you know, we're not an insurance company, but our job is to take care of the family for the first few days after an event. So our job is to make sure clothing, a, well, first and foremost, a place, to, a safe place to stay. Oh, certainly, yes. Uh, you know, a lot of times people leave a fire so they don't have food, they don't have clothing. Sure. Very often times people are wrapped in a blanket or, you know, they just have their pajamas on. Right. Um, so we provide emergency clothing. We provide... Uh, Medical needs is, which is a lot of times people don't realize that, you know, any, any folks that are on medication, that, that's not something that, well, I can skip a few days. No, people, right. people cannot skip a few days, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, diet, pick, pick your, pick any, any particular medication you're on. Nobody wants to go a few days without it. So we obviously make arrangements to get that replaced immediately. So again, yeah, just basically the uh, you know our job is to is to make sure people are safe and secure for the first few days so that they can start the recovery plans, and uh, yeah, get them get you know get folks up, get them. Our job is to try to get people back to the normal life as soon as we can. Okay, um, I know that people can always give to the Red Cross financially. Are there any items that you? 
could use being donated to you? I mean, I, I know you don't really have a lot of storage space for such things, but yeah. are there any items that are helpful like that? Uh, you know, a lot of, and especially during large disasters, a lot of times folks will contact us about, you know, like clothing, used clothing Water. or canned goods or foods or that sort of thing. Um, to be honest, I would recommend that folks take them to the local, take them to your local Goodwills or your Salvation Armies because they're in that business. You know, they're in the business of handling all of these used goods or your local soup kitchens or, or whatever it would be. Um, when we respond to a family, we have to give them equitable assistance. And, you know, we don't, you know, we can't necessarily have everyone's sizes of clothes and everyone's taste in clothes oh, and every size of shoes. So we provide them with basically on the scene, we'll provide them with basically a debit card, which will cover again, you know, whatever the emergency needs they have. So it may be, again, it may be housing, it may be medicines, it may be clothing. Um, you know, in the past, we've taken those donations and We've even had like, you know, years ago, and I, I hate to tell a horror story, but this is one, you know, years ago, one of the other problems you can get with like clothing is that I think it was Hurricane Andrew, and this has been quite a few years ago, but we had a community do a massive clothing drive. The intent was very wonderful. It was very, you know, they were, they were trying to do good. We had several semis full of clothing that had been donated, taken down to be dispersed, all it takes is just a few items of clothing that has bed bugs oh, or that has lice. That's true. That's true. And so what we found was we ended up having to basically destroy all of the clothing that was in all of those semi-trucks because how do you verify, you know, what's clean, what's not clean? So at, at that point, we just decided, you know what? It's best if we give folks the money to go out and purchase what they want. Yes. And get it in the right size and get it in a style that they like because we're not in that business. We appreciate, we do appreciate the thought. The good news is there are organizations that will do that during national disasters. You know, your Goodwills, your Salvation Armies, mm -hmm. we partner with them a lot. They're in that business. Okay. We're not. Yeah. Uh, so what normally happens is we will do the initial cash disbursement. And then, and then we will refer people to other agencies so that they can supplement the assistance they get, which is incidentally what our disaster case workers do. Uh, they will do follow-up with the family, usually a, like a few days after the disaster, and then try to link them up with other community resources to, get, to meet their needs. So really, if you want to donate, the best thing is to donate money to be used for these purposes. Absolutely. And you can always designate, you know, you can even designate to a specific disaster if you want to designate it for Morrow County use, if you want to designate it for Hurricane Ian. Uh, we even have a number of folks that have designated, you know, for disaster assistance in Ukraine because of the war, you know. So uh, the one thing that I also promise you with our donations is that we will always honor the donor's intent. So if you have a specific place where you want the money spent and it's for a specific service, whether it be disaster, military, or blood, biomed, or whatever it is, we will absolutely honor donor intent. And incidentally, you can do it at the same website. You can, you know, do it to your charge card. You go to redcross.org. If you want to make a donation, you can do it there. Uh, ironically, too, the same way that we had talked about health and safety classes, if you want to donate blood, you can also you can also just go onto that website, type in your zip code, and it will show you all of the upcoming area blood drives within a, I think it's within a 10 or 20 mile range of where you live. So the technology is just great now. Oh, it is. It's, it's wonderful yeah. how fast you can get this information. Yeah. 
I wanted to ask you about um, uh, bloodmobiles. Oh. Um, I'm sure, uh, what's the process? Let's say that I've never given blood in my life. Which isn't true. I have. Okay. So, okay, but, uh, but uh, it's been a few years, but I have. Okay. What is the process for giving blood? Do you need to call ahead of time? Do you just stop in? How's that work? Um, the, the short and, and terrible answer is yes, yes. Um, the preference is that we have folks that make appointments. In some communities, that's just not always possible. But uh, obviously, you know, what we normally do for most of our blood drives is we'll slot a blood donation every 15 minutes. The idea being, if, if we know exactly when the donors are coming in and we control when the donors come in, we can get you in and out much sure. quicker mm-hmm. than if, you know, and in some cases, like if we have blood drives in the Amish community, you know, a lot of times we'll get a van pulls up and you'll have six or eight Amish folks come out, which we appreciate. Sure. Uh, but just know that you may have to wait because we will honor the appointments first because we want to have that nice steady flow because we want, we do not want people that are donating during their lunch hour to have to wait an hour and a half when it, you know, when, if you make an appointment, we can get you in and out in about 50, 55 minutes. Certainly. So certainly. So you would go in, um, I'm, I'm sure that you'd have to sign in or something. Uh, and you, you, you go in, you talk to our volunteer at the front desk. There's his volunteers again. So. There yes, we there go. we go. Um, usually very pleasant people, very fun people, very helpful. Uh, they'll answer any immediate questions you have. Uh, they'll, they'll confirm your registration. They'll give you a little bit of paperwork to look over. Uh, and usually within just a few minutes, then we'll pull you back into the health history area with one of our staff nurses and start your blood, start your actual blood donation, usually within just you know, five or 10 minutes. And then with the idea, hopefully we can get you in and out of there in about an hour okay, or less. And on the other end of blood, uh, if you're receiving blood, there are ways that you screen the blood that you're getting to make sure there's not uh, diseases in the blood, correct? Every unit of blood is required by the United States Food and Drug Administration to be fully screened, fully tested. So every unit of blood, if you've ever, you know, for those of you that have donated blood that might be listening, uh, you know, when you're sitting there and you're getting the blood and you see the bag that they put with the weight on it so that they know when they have a full unit, well, attached on the line there, there is also some small little vials uh, that they clamp off. So when you're getting your blood donation, there's also some just some small little pockets there, which are basically just little vials that will fill up. We put the same barcode on all of the vials and on the unit of blood, and then we send the vials, all of the vials go into the testing lab. They will run all the diagnostics on it, and then all of that blood will be frozen until they get the all clear from the testing lab saying we can actually use that blood. They track it with a barcode so that they can easily identify the blood that's ready to go as opposed to you know the blood that hasn't been completely tested yet. Usually it's a pretty quick turnaround, usually within two days. Uh, obviously all the blood's kept refrigerated, uh, but yeah, it's, the technology is amazing to see it when you, when you're at there actually at the blood center, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really amazing how well it works when you consider how complicated and how complex the processes are. Okay. So you know that your blood's going to be safe if you, uh, if you, if you're receiving blood. Uh, because the Red Cross goes through these uh, things and is very careful to make sure yeah. that it's safe before it gets to you. Absolutely, and every you know, and every blood bank has the same rules and requirements. So you know, no matter where you're giving blood, if you're giving a, a, even giving blood at a non-Red Cross site, it still undergoes the same testing here in the United States. So it's going it's going to be as safe as it possibly can be. 
Okay, you are with the American Red Cross. So is there a Red Cross in almost every um, country in the in the world, or how's it? Predominantly, I would say yes, but they're not necessarily always called American Red. Or they're not always called Red Cross. Okay, in some uh, cultures, it's called the Red Crescent Society. Uh, in Muslim countries, uh, in Israel, it is the uh, Mogan David. It's the Red Star of David. Uh, and in atheistic countries, it's it's. I'm not even exactly sure what they call it, but their symbol is basically a. Uh, it's like a trapezoid, and I'm not sure okay. what that signifies. But you know, for the most part, you know, most of the Western world is red crosses. But in different parts of the country, if they have any kind of religious or or just other reasons that they would not be want to be classified as red crosses, they sometimes go by other names. But the job is pretty much the same. Okay, I'd always wondered about that because mm. I know American Red Cross is obviously yeah. based here in America, so I yeah. figured there were organizations yeah. all over the world with yeah. different names. The International Red Cross, our offices are actually in in Belgium, um, and again, all of the so it is kind of the international co- cooperation between all of the countries. And and again, at the end of the day, you know, our job is to be non biased and is to just take care of the people. Most certainly. That need help. And we don't get involved in politics or theology or anything like that. Right. Our job is just to take care of people that are going through a really tough time. Uh, one other th- question that came to my mind was uh, something that I did. Yeah, I was pretty small at the time. Swim lessons. Do they still do things like that? We do. Uh, again, you can go online. Normally, a lot of that is is heavily scheduled. Now, you in can't learn how to swim online. Come on, Michael. You actually can, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'll try it. <laughs> no, uh, basically, but you can find out where the classes are and you can schedule online. I guess that would have been would have been my point. Uh, yeah, that still takes place. A lot, of, you know, a lot of the classes are Red Cross. There's a lot of communities that do their own or do YMCA, which are also fine classes. But yeah, if you, if you're looking for that type of training, it's available out there. Okay. That's, that's wonderful. So you're needing volunteers, um, in, in many, many different areas and the volunteers can work quite often from home and in their own community. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, that's where we want you. We, we need folks in all of our local area counties. Again, uh, you know, I, th- I think a lot of times people think, you know, one of these days I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that. I'd like to give it a try. I guess, I guess my request to everybody is there's no time like the present. Give us a test drive, you know, uh, give us, you know, give us a chance, take the training, get involved. I'm very confident you will find a very positive experience. And I'm, and I can assure you that the services that you're going to be providing for the community are critical and they are very appreciated. Okay. All right, Michael, um, a little bit about yourself. How long have you been with the Red Cross? Um, do I have to answer that? Because I think it might in. <laughs> I started with the American Red Cross in 1991. Oh wow! Okay, so okay. I'm just just over 30 years, Mike. Okay, 30 years. Yeah. Wow. And you started out as a volunteer, I would presume. Uh, actually, no. I actually started out as paid staff. I became involved with the Red Cross because I used to volunteer for Helpline years ago, okay. which is also another fine organization. Sure. So I had an affiliation there. I, I had heard, you know, obviously we all hear about the Red Cross. Uh, and when I just saw, saw that the job had been posted, I thought, you know, this would be something very worthwhile to become a part of. So been been very blessed to have the opportunity to be in the organization for the past 30 years. And I hope that 
many others will join us because it really is important for the local community and it is really fulfilling you know when you when you know that you've rolled up your sleeves and you've done something to help somebody even when you don't know them mm-hmm. just knowing that you've made a difference in your community and you've and you've made a family's life a little more bearable when they're going through a really bad situation, whether it be a fire, whether it be a military emergency or, or something like that. So again, just if, if you've been thinking about it or you think you would just like to know more, please reach out to me. Uh, easiest way to reach me directly would be by email. Uh, my name is michael.vance at redcross.org. Again, that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L dot Vance, V-A-N-C-E at redcross.org. And if you want to call our local office here in Mount Gilead, it's area code 419-946-2811. And thank you, Michael Vance, for being with us uh, today. All right. Well, thank you, Mike Vance, for coming into the studio and talking about the American Red Cross. Mike, thanks for doing the interview with him. It, yes. uh, every time that guy is in, I learn so much about what he's they so do. knowledgeable about the Red Cross. I didn't even know. I mean, I knew that they could help get emergency notifications and get, you know, the uh, per- military personnel back in, in the event of an emergency back here in the States. But I had no idea that they had so much to do. So, Mr. Mike, I know that you're dying because I saw you writing down some jokes prior to. So what do you have? Well, uh, first of all, I want to tell you about this farmer. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He yes, I'm glad you're excited. <laughs> <laughs> he counted a hundred. Wait a minute. Warning, warning, warning. Terrible, terrible puns ahead. Warning. All right, warning. now you can do it. Now was that necessary? It, it definitely was. Oh, okay. Well, there was a, this farmer. He counted 196 cows in his field, mm-hmm. but when he rounded them up, he had 200. Math. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I got it. I'm just, you know, just staring at you. Well, I once knew an owl that was really indifferent. Did he know how many licks it took to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? No, but he he didn't give a hoot. And the other night I went to this fancy restaurant and ordered the Pelican. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was excellent, but the bill was enormous. And... That one's kind of funny. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and did you know? I did not. That before water was invented, people had to carry their boats around. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, um, Mike, it's been another good week. And uh, I think it goes without saying. Uh, continue to keep giving grace. Um, be nice to each other. And remember, a smile can go a long way. You never really know what somebody else is dealing with, and uh, they might completely break down. And uh, you could be that bright spot in somebody's day. So, Mike, I think we should leave people with that. What do you think? I think that's a good thought to leave on. All right. So until next time, folks, we will see you later. Later.